Welcome to AFT in Action, a podcast for members of AFT Connecticut-affiliated local unions. We're approximately 30,000 working people in the public and private sectors, teachers and school support staff, nurses and healthcare workers, higher education faculty and public employees in nearly 90 unions across the state. The series provides a deeper dive into issues impacting our members and our movement as part of AFT Connecticut's engagement and communications efforts. Welcome, sisters and brothers, to another episode of AFT in Action. My name is Jan Hockadel, your State Fed President and your co-host for today's episode. Today, we will be discussing how we continue to build the labor movement at our AFT Connecticut Business Convention, at the Connecticut AFL-CIO Convention, and then just a few weeks ago at the AFT Convention in Boston, the themes were all very similar, that we have to continue to grow our movement by organizing more working people. So the question is, how do we grow a deeper engagement with our current members? And also, how do we create a more robust organizing opportunity for working people that are not yet organized? So to help us with the discussion today is AFT Connecticut's 2022 Soifer Award winner, given in honor of the work she's done in leading her locals unprecedented growth through new organizing. Monica Nugent worked in both the General Assembly and the governor's office. She then became the chief of staff at the Department of Emergency Services and Public Protection. And until just recently, Monica worked as the manager of the operations at Judicial Selection Commission. She is serving as the first elected president of AFT Connecticut's Managerial and Exempt Employees United, also known as ME, and has served as an associate member for the AFT Connecticut Executive Committee for the past two years. Monica has just recently taken a new position with US Senator Chris Murphy. So congratulations and welcome, Monica. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. What an introduction. Um, yeah, I'm so excited to be a part of this. I'm really excited to, you know, talk about some of the work that m has done and talk about some continuing labor organization work that's being done um, in the state and, you know, uh, look at how we can continue to engage members. So thank you so much for having me be a part of this conversation. Thank you, Monica. And to join our conversation today, we have a special guest, Richard Bensinger, who I had the privilege of meeting at the Connecticut AFL-CIO convention, where he and some of the Starbucks baristas shared their experience over the past year building Starbucks Workers United. They also joined the AFT National Convention to announce their successful Union Yes vote at the Vernon, Connecticut store. Richard is the founder of the Organizing Institute, previously an organizer with the International UAW, and previously the director of organizing for the National AFL-CIO and he is serving as the advisor to Starbucks Workers United since the campaign launched last fall in Buffalo, New York. Welcome, Richard. Thank you, glad to be here and thanks to the AFT for the opportunity. So also with us is Mark Tomko, who is a Starbucks barista and part of the successful union drive um, in Vernon. So congratulations. Yeah, thank you very much. You know, we were very excited to be uh, on the victorious end of it. It's been quite a battle. So Richard, I am a third generation unionist. I um, became a building rep early on in my career at my school, but really got involved in organizing when there was a crisis. They shut down my school and we had to fight legislatively to get it back opened. Can you share with us what or how you chose to work in the labor movement? I was um, dropped out of college, got a job at a high wage factory that made head skis and head tennis rackets. Uh, lots of money, but very poor health and safety. We breathe asbestos, fiberglass, a lot of bad things. 
uh, no voice. And so I got involved. I was house called by a union organizer, became kind of my mentor, and I helped organize the head ski company uh, a million years ago. Thanks so much for that, Richard. Um, so just a follow-up question too. Um, can you share a little bit of how you got involved with organize, organizing coffee labor in particular? Because um, it's one of those non-traditional type of groups that, um, you know, when people think of organizing, it doesn't necessarily come to mind at first. Yeah, my, I had a variety of organizing experiences in my career, public sector, building trades, private sector manufacturing. But I've always wanted to organize um, the restaurant industry, food service industry, um, particularly chains, but I had a hard time finding the union interested in doing it. Um, but I found somebody in upstate New York, a person named Gary Bonadonna, who is a, a new labor leader up there who had the courage to really fund the Starbucks campaign. But before that, there was Starbucks campaign was not really beginning. It was a, it was a coffee project in upstate New York where we organized one coffee chain in one city. And then we went to Buffalo where we organized spot coffee, eight different restaurants there. Workers were fired, community got mad and boycotted. The company then signed the group of fair election principles. And with those principles um, with us, we were able to win an election of 93%, negotiated a great contract with immediate pay increase of an average of 450 an hour. And Starbucks workers heard about the spot contract and contacted us. This is all pre-pandemic. So that's how the coffee thing started. That's how Starbucks started, really through um, sister project um, at Spot Coffee in Buffalo. That's really, really interesting. And just as an aside, I was in Buffalo the day they got their yes vote, and we just happened to be at a Bills Patriots game that weekend. So I, it was really, really exciting. And there was, it seemed like a ton of support too for that shop in particular. I mean, the line was out the door, and people were really excited for, you know, the there so it, it was it was great to be up there too you brought us good luck well the pats got a win that day so maybe, maybe <laughs> that's what the luck was in a few weeks um the opening preseason game is against the denver broncos and the bills but the denver broncos um just uh melody hobson who's the chair of the board of starbucks and one of the top architects of the anti-union effort just bought a share of the denver broncos so we have a, a double incentive in buffalo to root against the Broncos. Mark, I know so many people who were inspired by the courage and the bravery of all the workers who were seeking a voice in the workplace in the face of Starbucks, like very public, very illegal anti-union position. So can you tell us what inspired you and your colleagues to form a union with a very anti-union boss? The th big thing that really inspired us, first of all, was just knowing what a union is and um, you know, knowing that it was an option for us, I really have to credit like the Bernie Sanders political uh, movement in general, just for educating me on the labor movement and knowing <laughs> that I had an option, uh, you know, to, to deal with these sort of mistreating uh, situations I was facing. Um, we faced a lot of uh, short staffing and hours cuts and safety issues at our store, um, like a massive increase in demand, but they kept giving us less and less labor um, with the same infrastructure. And uh, finally, you know, we just we, we had enough. We had, we had reached a point where the straw broke the camel's back. Nobody uh, was was happy anymore. And, uh, you know, it was like a, a culmination point, so to speak. Piggybacking off of that a little bit, um, Mark, could you share, you know, you touched upon it a little bit um, with one of the things that I have struggled with in, in terms of organizing, you know, our state managers is that, you know, having the understanding of what a union is, right? And, 
in explaining that to your colleagues. But can you also share any other challenges you and your colleagues face during this? Initially, it was it was kind of a willpower issue um, of just such a seemingly insurmountable goal of unionizing such a massive corporate corporation. It seemed impossible. But as soon as we saw the Buffalo workers um, take charge, um, we, we got really inspired. And um, I mean, Starbucks has come at us with all kinds of challenges, um, captive audience meetings, um, telling us that they're gonna withhold benefits from stores that are unionizing. Um, they closed our store down right in the middle of a union support event, um, you know, just sowing disinformation about unions, you know, just untrue stuff. So it's really been a barrage um, and thank goodness the new law in the state of Connecticut passed that, you know, allows us to leave captive audience meetings without any recourse, you know, now we can uh, say, hey, I don't want to listen to that. I want to go back to work. Um, so, you know, that's a that's a step in the right direction, thankfully. So, Richard, I have to ask you, um, we mentioned that, you know, the, the coffee industry isn't the traditional um, industry we, we think of when organizing. So. Are there specific lessons that we can learn from this experience that would help us with our other, maybe more traditional um, organizing drives? The only thing really non-traditional about this is that it's an industry that the labor movement is not focused on. Otherwise, I don't. I I think this is basic organizing that the AFT has done for years. The good organizers do, which is basically just building a good internal inside organizing committee. So at each store, so that the workers really own the campaign and can combat the type of vicious, over-the-top anti-unionism that Mark is describing that Howard Schultz and Melody Hobson from Starbucks have, uh, have put upon them. Um, and I think um, this is a company um, that is as bad as anything I've ever seen, uh, maybe worse than anything I've ever seen. And... There's nothing they won't do to try to stop the union. They've closed doors, they fire workers all over the country, like Mark was saying. So what overcomes that is, um, I think, two things, strong worker support. Um, but what also has to be done here, it's Spot Coffee, I explained earlier, we won because the workers were fired. The public boycotted the company. They came to the aid of the workers. And so I think um, there's no boycott at this point of Starbucks, but I think public support has been also very key um, for you know, union members like AFT having this at your convention, uh, supporting the union, going by the stores, uh, ordering union strong coffee is critical. And I think in the future to get Howard Schultz really to come to the bargaining table is going to take that kind of public support. Just to follow up as well, you know, it's something like over 200 stores have unionized now in like about a year. Um, and it sounds like you have daily election counts that you're you're checking in on. Um, why do you think the movement has grown so strong and so quickly? I think it's part generational and part class. I think that it's economic inequality that we all know about that, you know, and then it's, you know, that anybody works there, whether they're 60 years old or 16 years old, um, is experiencing the brutality of an unfair economic system and, um, and the greed of kind of billionaires, like him, like Schultz and Hobson, I keep going back to them because they made their literally billions, um, yet they, um, like many companies, just don't share in the wealth. So that's why unions exist. And I think it's a generational uprising because this generation has a sense of, I mean, Mark can say, of hopelessness. It's come up. A lot of people on the Zoom calls we've done with workers around the country say, this is the first thing they've been hopeful of. It's being led by young people uh, in their teens, early 20s, some in their 30s, um, who 
have a sense of hopelessness about the economic world we live in. And this is giving them a sense of hope. I think much like the 1930s when young manufacturing workers created the um, the unions in manufacturing. So Mark, I just want to ask you, you know, what can unions like AFT do to help support um, the workers such as yourselves? The AFT, you know, graciously hosted uh, my, my co-organizer, Jordi Adams, um, so she could announce the news to a national audience of our uh, 13 to 1 victory at our store. So I think uh, support in that sort of way is really, it goes a long way. Um, you know, there's many industries that are seeing a labor movement um, rising right now. You know, you can see it in Chipotle and Trader Joe's and Amazon and a bunch of other places. So I think supporting businesses that are going through organizing, um, being patient with the locations that are currently organizing because they're going to be facing challenges right. from corporate and, um, you know, they're going to be having pressure you know, maybe short staffing issues. So just be patient with them. Um, and then uh, Starbucks, uh, Workers United, we have a, a, a program going called No Contract, No Coffee. Um, you can search that up on social media and there's a barcode that you can scan to actually, um, you know, sponsor a store um, that's organizing. And then you can, you know, patronize that store. And, uh, you know, that way they know that they're supported and they actually have, uh, someone behind them. It's been a massive help to see how many people have risen up to like support us and, and just be behind us. We, we knew it was going to be like the other baristas behind, you know, behind us, but not all of the other unions. So as, as soon as we've, we've gotten involved with this, suddenly like we have this army behind us and it really is really empowering and it, it boosts the morale. We'll do one better, Mark. We will link the no contract, no coffee pledge form to our Podbean page for this episode. That's awesome. I really appreciate that. Um, the kind of support is um, really what's going to make the difference uh, and show the baristas that are maybe on the fence about organizing that they have massive support from the public and the labor movement. So thank you so much. And going by the stores that have voted union, going by Mark's store and ordering coffee, going in, you know, side wishing people good luck. I came back this morning from a three-day picket in Buffalo where people that won an election a couple of weeks ago now are... Um, um, on strike um, for three days. And that's because the company's been retaliating against some stores. And so the, the level of personal retaliation and mean-spiritedness is something I've never witnessed in my 45 years, again, what they're doing here. But I've also never witnessed such courage by the workers like Mark, who are standing up to it. There's no way the worker, he, that Schultz can defeat this. Um, he, it's, a, it's an uprising. He can't stop it, but he's uh, doing everything he can to try. But I think the solution is going to be that these 200 stores and like Vernon store and Mark is that the public and unions have to come to the aid of these people. They can't do it on their own. So I think that's going to be critical in the, up, in the next few months. I want to thank you, Mark. I want to thank you, Richard, you know, for joining us as guests today, um, for answering our questions and really for leading the way to build a better future for all. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you both again. And thank you, Monica, for co-hosting this episode and being part of the discussion, but especially for all the work that you've done in organizing to build a really strong local and for really demonstrating what a model union leadership should look like. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me a part of the discussion. You know, there were so many topics that during this discussion that kind of resonated with the work that I've been doing with m &E, um, especially the thought of you know, generational feeling of hopelessness. Um, you know, I would 
be lying if I said that I didn't kind of start some of this for almost like a selfish reason, right? Like I was at a job that was supposed to be a career. And then I quickly learned after taking this managerial position, like, oh, this is it. Like there's no more benefits. There's no more pay raises. There's no more movement up. And if I want to continue to have a life in public service, which is something that I've always wanted to do ever since I was in college and I set myself up to do that work, I needed to do something about that. And that's where really getting involved with AFT and this movement got that going. Um, And so being able to talk to other employees who are my age or older, you know, um, especially with the silver tsunami that's happening in the state and getting these employees involved and recognizing that we do have power and we have power in our numbers and we have power in our voice and, you know, work on that to get the equal rights and the equal wages that that we deserve. I I mean, it's been a really amazing experience. I'm really proud to lead this movement with the state managers. And, you know, I only hope that it continues to grow momentum and that we, we get some important legislative changes that we're still fighting for done and passed. And, you know, I'm, the ball is just starting to roll. So hopefully it continues to keep moving. And that's great. And we really, really hope you continue your work um, in the ME. And we wish you all the best in your new career as well. Thank you so much. So as we do at the end of each podcast, I want to thank our members for all they do every day and for listening to this podcast. And I invite members to submit suggestions and questions for our next episode of AFT in Action. I'm really thinking we should look at an episode that focuses on student learning crisis and teacher shortage crisis with a focus on those districts where the top administration is failing to work with the unions. I think that would be exciting, but really I wanna hear your thoughts. So send your comments by email to actnetreply at aftct.org. That's A-C-T-N-E-T-R-E-P-L-Y at sign aftct.org. Plus you can leave a voice message by dialing 860-257-9782 and asking for extension 116. That's 860-257-9782. 82 extension 116. Really looking forward to hearing your voices and thank you in advance for being heard. That's a wrap for this latest edition of AFT in Action. Additional episodes are available at our Podbean page and social media channels, all of which can be found at aftct.org. Like what you heard? Then share with fellow members and encourage they give it a listen too and help build the power of the UNI in union.